Hello and welcome to Integrating Chinese Medicine with the Dow Health. I'm Elizabeth Cullen. And I'm Georgia Fong. And we are traditional Chinese medicine practitioners and acupuncturists. We are your hosts, providing an educational platform for practical ways to integrate Eastern medicine into your Western lifestyle. Throughout this podcast series, we will be discussing the benefits of getting to know our bodies in a practical sense and how to be an advocate for your own health. All information in the podcast Integrating Chinese Medicine with the Dow Health is for educational purposes only and was relevant at the time of recording. We recommend for any individual symptoms, personalised diagnosis and treatment to see a registered health practitioner. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome back to Season 2 of Integrating Chinese Medicine. We are super excited to be back behind the mics and sharing all things Chinese medicine and integrative medicine. Today on the podcast, we will be talking about primary dysmenorrhea and conditions associated with secondary dysmenorrhea. But before we begin and to introduce you to 2022, we wanted to start with something that we've been enjoying over the last few months. So Georgia, what's that for you? So Liz, I've been loving my dandelion root tea. Lovely. I so discovered. Good. I know. Yeah. I discovered it through one of my patients, and I find it's a great coffee alternative for an afternoon pick me up. Perfect. It has no caffeine in it, and it's all natural, and it actually tastes like caffeine. So I would highly recommend it. And great for the spleen. Great for the spleen. Great for the spleen. Yeah, Liz, what are you loving? So I've just begun Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. I'm about three hours in. It's a long one. It's yeah. 18 hours on Audible. Yeah. And it's been fantastic driving to work. Um, I think it's pretty fitting at the moment with International Women's Day coming up. So I definitely recommend it for an inspiring read. Amazing. So let's begin. Yes. Dysmenorrhea. So what does this word mean? So if we were to debunk it, what would you say it means? So, Liz, dysmenorrhea is the term used to describe pain associated with your period. This can be run-of-the-mill period pain to more severe and frequent menstrual cramps associated with more serious conditions like infection and endometriosis. So primary dysmenorrhea is socially accepted in inverted commas, normal period pain, where women experience discomfort in their lower pelvis or back with the arrival of the period. It usually occurs just before the arrival of the period or on the first couple of days of your period. We say that it should not interfere with daily activities, including your work, your exercise, and should be relieved by a wheat pack, rest, and if needed, ibuprofen or paracetamol. It really should be investigated if it does affect quality of life and affect reduced participation in sport and social activities and altered pain perception associated with sleeping problems. Primary dysmenorrhea affects around three quarters of all women during their reproductive life, which is insane. Crazy. And is especially common in young women in their teens and early adult life, with around 90% of Australian adolescents experiencing menstrual pain. And the fact that people can miss work and school for their period pain and think they have to put up with it is ridiculous. I know, and they think that it's normal. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we think culturally that that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. So, Liz, why do we get period pain? So there's a number of reasons why we get period pain. 
Number one is it's caused by the release of prostaglandins in the uterus. Prostaglandins stimulate myometrial contractions, reducing uterine blood flow and causing uterine hypoxia. This hypoxia is responsible for the painful cramping that characterizes primary dysmenorrhea. Having higher levels of estrogen compared to progesterone can cause higher levels of prostaglandins and then can therefore increase period pain. Another contributing factor as well is low progesterone, which a lot of people will experience shorter cycles, mood changes, and increased blood flow and clotting. But this also is linked to painful periods too. Mm. So when we talk about decreasing pain associated with the period, Georgia, what can we do? Mm. So in terms of complementary and natural treatments, We often recommend for women to follow a low-stress or anti-inflammatory diet. So this includes minimal processed foods and avoiding inflammatory foods like gluten, dairy, and refined sugar. Some women will also benefit from identifying a histamine intolerance. So this means that some women can have too much of the inflammatory compound histamine, which can worsen period problems by increasing inflammation and estrogen. Okay, so the diet makes a big difference. Huge. and period pain. Yeah. We can also recommend supplementation, Mm -hmm. but as we know, this is tailored to each individual and we would recommend having this prescribed by a qualified healthcare practitioner. Most definitely. Yeah. So, Liz, what is the difference between primary dysmenorrhea and secondary dysmenorrhea? So, secondary dysmenorrhea, which a lot of people don't realise that there's a primary dysmenorrhea and a secondary dysmenorrhea. Yes. Yeah. Secondary dysmenorrhea <laughs> is severe period pain. It may not be directly related to the period and may be associated with an underlying reproductive disorder or condition. Symptoms that women can experience include burning, throbbing, searing or stabbing-like pain that lasts for multiple days. Some patients will say it's like an axe hacking away at their uterus. Sorry Mm. for the visual side of things there, but I think it's important we get that message across of how severe that these symptoms can be. Yeah. It can occur throughout the entire menstrual cycle, which I think is really important to note as it can affect the quality of life, leading to vomiting and can interfere with daily activities throughout the whole cycle. So endometriosis or other symptoms and conditions that we'll go through soon won't just affect the woman around the time of the period. It can actually affect her throughout her entire cycle. So that can occur through ovulation, but it can occur at random times too. Yeah. So as we were discussing before, it can cause women to miss school days, work days and social events. This type of severe period pain is likely to be associated with underlying medical endometriosis conditions I'm on a roll today like endometriosis or adenomyosis which often needs further investigation and treatment with the right GP and also with the right women's health specialists mm. so let's start with an underlying condition that can cause secondary dysmenorrhea what is it and what do and what do we know about endometriosis Georgia so Liz endometriosis is a condition where the endometrial tissue grows in areas outside the uterus so this can be on the bowel, it can be on the ovaries, it can be on the fallopian tubes as well. Mm-hmm. The condition affects one in 10 women and diagnosis is difficult and complicated as the condition cannot be diagnosed with an ultrasound. Okay. And that's something really important for women to know. Typically, it can take eight to 10 years for a woman to be diagnosed with endometriosis 
and the only a really long time and a really long time to be living with such severe debilitating period pain Mm. and for women to note that the only way to truly properly diagnose endometriosis is with a surgery called laparoscopic surgery yeah so although the estimated prevalence of endometriosis is thought to be around 10 percent an estimated 40 to 60% of women who experience dysmenorrhea actually have endometriosis. It's crazy, isn't it? Crazy, yeah. And I hope with the awareness about endometriosis now that the diagnosis is of a shorter time frame. Yeah. But hopefully technology advances and we find a way to diagnose endometriosis rather than a laparoscopy. Yeah, because we don't want to put women into surgery if they don't have to. And how many surgeries does a female need to experience before, say, for example, wanting to conceive in their later 20s, 30s or 40s? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, Liz, there was a a research um, team looking into the benefits of Chinese herbal medicine. Mm. So Mike Armour and the team at UWS looked at a Chinese herbal formula called Guizhi Fuling One. So this was a recent study on acupuncture and endometrial pain, and it showed an approximate reduction of 40% in pain scores. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, so a formula we commonly use in the clinic. Mm. And to see that research is being done in Australia is just wonderful. So we can see that these type of herbal support can be provided to a wider population group yeah with positive outcomes yeah most definitely yeah so there was also a trial in 2017 for acupuncture and endometriosis and that was performed in the dow health clinic yes it was Liz, you did that yeah. so tell us a little bit more about that and so in 2017 we had the honor to be participants in supporting women with acupuncture for chronic pelvic pelvic pain associated with endometriosis so Mike Armour and the team at UWS they were running the trial and patients would come in and they would either have acupuncture Mm. that was specific points used for endometriosis so the research came back that showed us really positive results from pain and we were seeing that in clinic as well amazing incredible yeah so Liz what are other conditions and symptoms that may need to be flagged So other conditions that need to be considered and flagged would be adenomyosis. Adenomyosis is known as endometriosis's evil stepsister and it is the less unknown condition but it is aggressive and it needs to be taken care of with the gynae as well as your allied healthcare system team. Uh, It's a condition where the tissue that normally lines in the uterus grows into the muscular wall of the uterus. Another condition that we need to consider is PID, which is pain from in infection of PID, which stands for pelvic inflammatory disease. This is a key infection of a woman's reproductive organs. It can be a complication caused by some STDs like chlamydia or gonorrhea. However, it may also be caused by other non-STIs like a bacterial infection. We do recommend seeking medical advice if a patient is presenting with these symptoms. Ovarian cysts as well is something to consider. Ovarian cysts may or may not cause any symptoms. However, if they are there and they are large, you can feel pain on one side of your pelvis or abdomen, especially when patients, say, for example, have the cyst rupture and this can be a sudden sharp pain. This can occur throughout the cycle and this can also occur around the period. With fibroids, fibroids can occur in over 70% of women by the time that they are 50 years old. They can range from the size of a pea to a melon. 
Uterine fibroids are made of smooth muscle and fibrous tissue. They can be located either outside or inside the uterus, additional to excess estrogen and progesterone driving growth of fibroids. Traditional Chinese medicine perspective focuses on the circulation of blood flow in the uterus and pelvic region when we discuss fibroids and other issues causing primary dysmenorrhea and secondary dysmenorrhea. Mm. Fibroids are principally related to the energetic function of the liver and the spleen meridians. The liver meridian is responsible for dispersion and circulation of qi and blood, as well as emotional balance. The spleen's main role is to transform and transport qi and blood, forming the food that is suggested, digested through the rest of the body. So when we talk about the pathophysiology of a uterine mass, say, for example, it can occur from a number of underlying patterns that we talk about in TCM. Mm. So these would be, such, say, for example, blood stagnation and dampness accumulation in the uterus and the pelvic region. And if the spleen's role of transforming and transporting is not ad adequate, so like we discussed before with the Chinese dietary therapy, yeah. if we're not supporting the spleen in a way that they can adequately transform and transport with those functions, mm -hmm. then the smooth flow of qi and blood can be obstructed and this can lead to congealed dampness, which causes obstruction and change in the uterus and pelvic region. So when we talk about this reduced blood circulation leading to denser tissue in the uterus, this can cause the environment which is provided to encourage fibroids to grow. Mm. So I guess with all these conditions, we, they can present with associated symptoms, which include pain during sex and mid-cycle ovulation pain. This can also be bleeding post-sex. Mm. And another symptom could be, say, for example, is weight gain with fibroids because yeah. you may think you've popped on, put on some weight, but it's actually the fibroid growing. It's pretty crazy that it can get to the size of a melon. I know. Yeah. It's incredible that what can happen in a woman's uterus without a woman actually knowing, knowing. the progression of this condition. Yeah, most definitely. Mm. And especially sometimes it may be when someone's considering their fertility that they actually start to consider this and say, for example, the fibro may have been growing for a lot longer yeah. than what they suspected. Yeah. So I think things to consider when we speak about secondary dysmenorrhea symptoms and causes is to check in with your GP and we emphasize this most episodes yeah but make sure you have a GP that's supportive and listens to you and is supportive and specializes in women's health yes um observing symptoms and tracking and you know something to consider would be an internal ultrasound and bloods we also really encourage pelvic floor physio and checking in with the location of pain and making sure that you track where that pain is occurring and if there is any patterns or any aggravating triggers so, Georgia, we've touched base on um, Chinese medicine with period pain, but do you want to delve a little bit deeper into qi stagnation, blood stagnation and blood deficiency? Yes. So, these pains are a result of qi and blood not moving, depending on how impeded their flow is, dictates the severity of the pain. Mm -hmm. So... How does a specific diagnosis change with presentation of varied signs and symptoms? Well, qi stagnation. So qi stagnation will present with signs and symptoms of a dull, achy pain in the pelvic girdle and lower back. Okay. And this is often associated with PMS symptoms. Mm -hmm. In comparison to blood stagnation, so blood stagnation will cause sharp stabbing pain and the menstrual blood will be dark and clotted. Okay. We also commonly diagnose women with blood deficiency. So comparatively to qi stagnation and blood stagnation, 
Blood's deficiency will present with pain that is worse at the end of the menstrual bleed or after the period is over. They're quite distinctive in differences of pattern, aren't they? Yes, and I think for women to understand that's why we go into such detail of the quality of pain and what their period blood looks like yes, as well. Yes, yes, most definitely. Yeah. So it tells us a story, doesn't it? Yeah, and yeah. so often women say to me, oh, I think this is TMI, too much information, and I'm like, look, we talk about everything in this room. Nothing Bring is it on. <laughs> the more information, the better. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it is really important to identify the differentiation in signs and symptoms of each patient to ensure the correct Chinese herbal formula and acupuncture treatment is prescribed. So Liz, how does acupuncture actually decrease pain? Okay, so the research is plentiful and it continues to grow, which is so exciting for our field. Mm. Acupuncture and the effects that it has on specific pain conditions include reducing systematic inflammation. We know a decrease in inflammation will decrease severity and quality of period pain. Acupuncture activates a number of the body's own opioids, as well as increasing the brain's sensitivity to opioids. By needling certain acupoints on the surface of the skin, this will release endorphins, the body's natural pain-killing chemicals, and by affecting the part of the brain that governs serotonin, a brain chemical involved with mood, which will in turn relieve pain. Mm. Pretty amazing. Amazing, yeah. (laughs) Shown to significantly reduce period pain, acupuncture is considered to be an effective treatment for women with endometriosis Mm. and associated chronic pelvic pain. Acupuncture has also been shown to significantly reduce prostaglandin levels. So as we discussed previously or a little bit earlier in the podcast, is that prostaglandin is what drives that period pain. Mm. So the research shows us that acupuncture decreases the prostaglandin levels, which in turn supports primary and dysmenorrhea function or symptoms decreasing. That's amazing. Unbelievable. That we can naturally decrease period pain through acupuncture. Monthly Panadol. Instead yes. of the monthly Panadol, we're using acupuncture. It's unbelievable. Yeah. With unbelievable. No side effects. No side effects. Yeah. So, Georgia, how regularly do we need acupuncture treatment to support primary and secondary dysmenorrhea? Yeah. So, Liz, we know acupuncture is accumulative. So, the more frequently a patient comes, the quicker they'll begin to feel the benefits. Here at the Dow Health, we recommend weekly for one month to support each stage of the menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. to reduce inflammation and regulate hormones. And depending on symptoms, we then continue treatment fortnightly or monthly for a period of 6 to 12 months. With the positive research showing, acupuncture treatment significantly reduces period pain intensity, duration and symptoms over time, with improvements being sustained up to a year after treatment. It's unbelievable. So, like we just said, we recommend patients to use acupuncture as a form of monthly pain management instead of their monthly naprogesic. Brilliant. So the take-home message is that acupuncture represents a safe and effective alternative with a long track record of successful use to decrease menstrual pain and associated symptoms. Unreal. And I think Mm. if we were to touch base on a little bit more research there as well. Yes. Mike Armour's systematic review and meta-analysis from 2019 showed that the effectiveness of self-care and lifestyle interventions in primary dysmenorrhea showed that a large proportion of women who get little to no relief from the -the over-the-counter analgesics, so such as the ibuprofen and paracetamol that women commonly use for their period pain, actually showed in the meta-analysis that heat, acupressure and exercise can also provide an effective adjunct 
or in the case of exercise and heat, an effective alternative to analgesic medication for the management of pain in primary dysmenorrhea. So the current research, it doesn't address the significant nonspecific effects associated with the exercise or acupressure interventions. So there is a need for future rigorous research designs which show us this benefit for women, but this is really promising research that's coming out of showing there is other options than those over-the-counter analgesics, including changing your diet, movement, and most importantly, Chinese medicine using acupuncture, using acupressure and talking yeah. to your acupuncturist about teaching them how, teaching you how to use acupressure and moxibustion sticks. Yes. So I think that's such promising research that's coming out. It's really great. Really yeah. great. And, you know, as we were talking about that Chinese medicine lifestyle and self-care, what mm. are some other options that we recommend for period pain, Georgia? Yeah. So, Liz, we talk to women a lot about warming foods. Yeah. So from a Chinese medicine perspective, our bodies run warm. So it's easier for your digestive system to absorb and digest those warm or previously cooked foods. And that warmth and nourishment is sent to the rest of the body, but also down to the reproductive organs. Fantastic. So before when we're talking about qi stagnation and blood stagnation, that is going to be directly affected by the cold foods that you're consuming. Mm -hmm. So think 80% of the diet warm or previously cooked. Perfect. We also recommend at-home moxibustion, which we do teach here in consultation, mm-hmm. and that's a Chinese mugwort plant that's been rolled up into a stick and that warmth is put onto the lower abdomen um, to help regulate blood flow to decrease pain. We also recommend herbal heat patches for pain, obviously heat packs and wheat packs, and yes, it may seem <laughs> trivial. Um, however, we do av- recommend avoiding sitting on cold floors, avoiding swimming in the ocean or in cold water during your menstrual phase. <laughs> so stay off the tiles. Yes. <laughs> so Liz, yes. how can we ap- empower women and empower and encourage them to empower themselves and their cycles? So the most practical change that a woman can implement into her monthly cycle is to begin tracking the menstrual cycle. So technology has made this very user-friendly and this valuable information can be stored via an app. So say, for example, we recommend Kindara or Clue app. Yeah. So by tracking the menstrual cycle, this allows a woman to become familiar with their period, including the variations of colour throughout the menstrual bleed, the amount, and if there's any clotting, and also if there's any amount or changes of pain. Mm. Just to take a note on that, so by tracking the cycle, women may begin to notice a pattern with changes in patterns of bleeding when they ovulate and if there's pain throughout the cycle. And most importantly, it is important that we pass on the message that ovulation should not be indicated by your app. So oh, yes. the yeah. algorithm will tell you when you're ovulating, but it is not accurate. It, to be fair, it will be more accurate for someone who has, say, for example, a textbook 28-day cycle. It's usually, you know, within two to three days bang on. But at the end of the day, we should all be looking at our cervical mucus and checking for mood changes and checking the cervix position and sexual desire rather than going off an app. So it's really important that you use your app to track data but do not tra- use it to tell you when you're going to be ovulating. Yeah, don't rely on it for ovulation. No, no, no. Yeah. And then also some of the apps tell you that your, say, for example, five days, in five days your period will arrive. It's better off so that you get that connection with your period 
to look at how many days you're into your cycle. That way you'll start to connect better with ovulation as well as, oh, I'm day 25. I know that my period usually arrives about day 28. No wonder my window of tolerance is a bit smaller. Yes. bit yep. sassier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, painful intercourse and spontaneous bleeding, as we've spoken about before. It's a symptom that should never be ignored and further investigation should be taken. By finding a GP that you feel supported by to navigate the symptoms you're experiencing and as well so that you can feel comfortable to be fully transparent. By advocating for yourself, you are educating yourself and creating a team around you that supports your body as a whole and can assist with further investigation. Another piece of advice is to educate yourself on on contraception options, including the fertility awareness method before making a decision on the most suitable contraception option for you and your partner your body as well as your relationship. By having a supportive team of healthcare practitioners around you, they will be able to help you to make these types of decisions. Also through empowerment comes rest. And this is sometimes the most difficult advice. A female needs more yin time, especially throughout their menses, your period. By guiding your life by your menstrual cycle, this will mean scheduling downtime and rest. The body is always trying to show us what it needs. So make sure you give yourself the time to listen. I love that. Sometimes the most difficult piece of advice and sometimes you don't realise you need it, Mm. but sometimes that's the best medicine of all. Absolutely. And I think we, in the hard and fast world we live in, we all need a little bit more of that advice. Definitely. Yes. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate you taking the time to like, share and to write a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you.